You like photos? What about beef? This week on the podcast, we have both as members of the photo industry snipe at one another over photo contests. Vision Slightly Blurred starts now. Photo Shelter presents Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Sarah Jacobs. And I'm Alan Murabayashi. Alan, one of my favorite things about being on Twitter is the Twitter beef that can occur. I love Twitter. I love Twitter. I love Twitter. There's so many benefits to Twitter, especially for photographers. That could be a whole other episode. But what I want to talk about today is some infighting that is happening via Twitter, and I believe also via Facebook. But I caught it on Twitter between photojournalists and photo editors, specifically around contests. Mm, yeah. Because it's contest season right now, as we know, which can you explain what contest season is? Yeah, you know, a lot of the major contests, especially the photojournalism related contests, announced their winners uh, in the spring. And so we have now uh, POY uh, releasing contest winners. Uh, the World Photography Organization is announcing contest winners. World Press will announce some, you know, a little bit later. Um, but this is, quote, contest season. Yes, and we've got some uh, disagreements happening within the community <laughs> around it. And, and contests, I mean, we've done a whole episode about contests and if you should enter, if you shouldn't. There's a lot of controversy around, like, diversity within the judges panel, which I do think has gotten better, generally speaking. That's sort of a blanket statement. Not Not every contest, but some. The controversy that we're talking about, though, revolves around the 77th Annual Pictures of the Year Awards, which is put on by the University of Missouri, POI. It's a very prestigious award. Like, what does it mean if you win it or if you win some of the categories? Well, obviously, being the 77th version of it, it's a pretty old school award. Um, And unlike a lot of the newer contests that have come out in the past decade, this one is organized and administered by a university. And there are not you know, these large cash prizes. People are doing it for recognition within the photojournalism community. And there's all different types of categories too. And it's uh, it takes place all of February. So judging occurs between different categories like each weekend. And the first tweet that went out about this contest that was sort of like, ding, 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 like the fight is starting. Olivier Laurent. Uh, he is the international photo editor at the Washington Post. And he tweeted out, Quote, took a quick look at live judging of a popular photo award. I shouldn't have. Too many photos of misery and poverty in developing countries. Um, now, this is a photo editor that you would assume probably sees those type of images all the time. And also, we're assuming that he's talking about POI because they do live stream. He was absolutely talking about POI. Okay, why, well, why do you think that? Well, on Facebook, he makes it clear that he was, he was looking at the live stream. So to step back, for a second, mm-hmm. POY, to their great credit, in my opinion, live streams the judging process. So it's not this opaque process where a bunch of people go into a room and then all of a sudden a, a uh, result is returned. Mm. This is a situation where you can see the judges discussing the finalists and why they picked a winner. And part of the controversy, at least, was because we they pull back the curtain on this stuff, pe- people can see how quickly judges have to conclude their conversations about certain images. That's just the reality of the situation. You have a finite time to judge. They're not being compensated. Everyone's a volunteer for this this judging panel. Mm. Um, and there are real time constraints around getting to the finalists. 
Well, in reply to that, what we think is a reply to that, this conversation, <laughs> obviously, like you saw it on Facebook, I saw it on Twitter, um, was from photojournalist John Harrington, who I'm not even sure of, to be totally honest, his involvement in POY. Is he just like commenting on Twitter? I'm not sure. John Harrington is a longtime DC-based uh, freelance photojournalist. Okay. He has been the president of the White House Photographers Association. Amazing. He's been around the industry for a long time. He's written kind of the Bible of photo business practices. Okay. So, you know, John's not a random guy commenting on this stuff. He, he, he knows the players and he knows what, what's going on. Okay. So he tweets, wow, when the picture of the year contest results don't fit the way he wants to see the world, how can a Washington Post photo editor working for, and then he tweets at the deputy photo editor of Washington Post, keep a job? He needs journalism 101 classes. Contests don't send messages. It judges reporting on reality, not one's personal worldview. By way of background, Olivier came from the British Journal of Photography, where he was the editor for several years, and then moved over to the Washington Post, where he was hired by my good friend Marianne Golan, who is the assistant managing editor and director of photography there. We've got other opinions coming coming through. <laughs> it's part of the Twitter beef. It's, it's, part, part, of the Twitter beef. it's part of the Twitter beef. Um, then, like, later in the week, uh, NPR's uh, visuals editor, and she's also the founder of Native Photograph, Laura Bellatron-Via. Whose full name is Laura Bellatron-Via Mizar. Tweeted something along the lines of, who cares about photo contests? They're relevant. I'm paraphrasing because she has since deleted that tweet. But, Alan, I had DM'd it to you. Yes. As, as you do on Twitter, just being like, huh, this is an interesting take on photo contests. I'm not sure I agree. <laughs> I, so <laughs> why don't we start with sort of a foundational statement? Because there were a number of people uh, outside of Laura who were uh, also saying photo contests are relevant, photo contests are obsolete. I saw one guy say photo contests and photo workshops are irrelevant and obsolete and should be done away with. Hmm. That is a very reductive statement to me. That is a statement that says with a very broad brush that there is no benefit whatsoever in these mechanisms. And I would refute that 100%. I have my own hesitations about both photo contests and and photo workshops, but that's because they've become these money-making ventures Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of unscrupulous people there. Uh, Insofar as photo workshops are concerned, that it's clearly become an income stream for a lot of photographers because editorial rates and commercial rates have flattened, if not declined, with incla- inflation. Photographers have to diversify the, their income stream, and a lot of them go out and teach workshops. For me, participation in the workshop, it's an opportunity to, one, learn some photo technique, two, be inspired not only by the instructor and the fellow students, And then third, if the photo workshop is well run, it allows you to build community. It allows you to build in real life community Mm -hmm. and really well run, well produced photo workshops have incredible communities built around them. So that's my diatribe on photo Mm. workshops. Photo contests, if they weren't successful in bringing people exposure, they would cease to exist. The fact that POI Even though it's ebbed and flowed, the fact that it's on its 77th version, the fact that World Press exists, and again, they're they're not a perfect organization as well, the fact that WPO exists means that photographers are seeing value in the exposure that they're getting, are seeing value in the prizes that are are being offered. So to say that they're completely irrelevant is 
is an incorrect statement because the PR machine of a well-run contest gets millions of eyeballs to the winners. Period. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. And also, we've talked a lot, right, about like you figuring out as an individual photographer about when it's worth your time and or money to enter a photo contest. And all of these photographers have decided for their own selves and for their own business that POI is something that they are interested in trying to win. Yeah. And yeah. it was their own personal decision to enter it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and also in this case, um, the judging panel this year is fairly diverse, which is great. And also, yeah, you're raising your eyebrows. It's arguably the most diverse judging panel I've seen in terms uh, of really? gender, uh, race, mm-hmm. and age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so then what happens, who really stirs the pot is photojournalist, award-winning photojournalist Yoongi Kim, who tweets out a screen grab from a Facebook comment section that I'm actually not sure where that came from. Do you know where that? It came from a thread that Olivier Laurent started on this topic, which he made public. So it's, it's there if, you, if ah. you look him up. Okay. So that conversation is about the judge panel of POY. Now, remember, we said that this is a very diverse judging panel. Yeah. And uh, Laura started kind of criticizing the composition of the panel, even though people pointed out that it was a pretty uh, diverse panel. Uh, and her statement was, there's not a single African or Latinx judge in there. And then she replies to herself saying, get the fuck out, POI. And then people point out that actually there is one, uh, a guy named Mark Inohosa, which I don't know how you mistake that name for not being Latin. That's the, a very Latin mm-hmm. last name. Yeah. And also what she's saying is also inaccurate because, yeah. of, because of Mark, who was on the judging panel, and then also... There was another judge, an African-American judge. So she's just being factually inaccurate at this point. Well, I guess to her credit, you could say there's an African-American, but there's not an African. Got it. An African. I see. uh, She said, oh, she didn't specify. I see. So, I mean, there's a little wiggle room there. Yeah. But it gets weirder. Yes, that is different. It gets weirder because after people point out that Mark Hinojosa is Latinx, uh, Laura says, fair... Though a white passing Latinx is not diversity, they can do way better than that, especially those Latinx on the pictures not, are not white looking. To which a lot of people got up in arms because now, you know, there's enough people that kind of turn their nose up at identity politics. And I think a lot of people thought that Laura was going a little bit too far in saying that Mark wasn't Latin enough Mm-hmm. even though, based on the color of his skin. So he's a fair-skinned uh, Latino. Mm-hmm. Um, and her criticism was, well, but it, the optics are incorrect. That I, That's the way that I'm going to distill her comments. The yeah. optics are incorrect because he's not brown enough to be representing Latinx people. And and, and in a tweet that, in a tweet, uh, in her defense, she says, colorism in Latin America is real. I'm a white passing Latina, such as there are many privileges that other Latinx don't have. Having one white passing Latino representing an entire ethnic group is pretty problematic. Thanks. There is... The, the, wait, I just want to comment on the thanks at the end of that. <laughs> I've... That's a good, that's a good sign off. I really like a thanks sign off. I'm going to, I'm totally going to cop that from her. The, the The light skin brown-black conversation is true for any 
brown-black race. It's true for East Asian versus South Asian. It's true for light, light-skinned blacks versus dark-skinned blacks. It's true for light-skinned Latin X for, versus dark-skinned Latin X. So, I mean, obviously I'm not Latino, or, or, but we're not so ignorant to know that that dynamic doesn't exist, but that's not the point. If the point is the, the, the jury isn't diverse enough, the jury is diverse enough. Mm. That's my problem with that tweet. I see. She's saying the jury yeah. doesn't look diverse enough. I'm saying the jury is factually diverse enough. Well, and then John Harrington's chiming in, as always. Yeah. And he, he, I mean, he served it right too. He tweets right at NPR. He's like, why does NPR continue to employ tone-deaf staff? Referring to Laura. I, you know, getting, getting l- let me mean. say this. You know, I know Yungi personally. I know John personally. I don't know Laura personally. Um, I know Olivier personally. Uh, I think... Of the, of the people that I know personally, I consider them to be outstanding individuals within photojournalism in that they all individually care so much about the craft of photojournalism and the ethics and morality around taking photos of others. Mm-hmm. Um, they've all participated uh, outside of their individual jobs to help build community around photojournalism. Thus, in my opinion, they all deserve... Uh, a, a seat at this conversation. Of course, anyone can chime in, but 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 they aren't coming from an area of ignorance mm-hmm. uh, where these topics are concerned. Mm. Now, you know, somebody like Yungi is old school. Uh, I don't always agree with what she says, but Yungi puts her money where her mouth is. She does a, an annual uh, grant thing, and she's given away over fifty thousand dollars. I think it's actually like sixty-seven thousand dollars that she's given away of her own money. That's amazing um, to photojournalists. So mm-hmm. you know, again. You know, she is shocked at some of the things coming out of uh, Laura's mouth. Laura is, uh, you know, a young 30s uh, photo editor over at NPR. So she doesn't have the longevity in the industry that people like John and Yungi have. Um, It's a very weird situation where people in the industry are going after one another. Mm -hmm, It is. It's rubbing people the wrong way. It definitely is. Um, I think, I mean, within the Twitter thread, this is the saddest and the strangest part of the story is that then Yoongi tweets out the um, news that Mark Hinojosa has passed away and he had passed away that week. Yes. So in the midst of this kind of strange infighting that's going on, um, he died, which is really sad. And a lot of his colleagues had said this guy was was a highly respected editor at Newsday in the Chicago Tribune and a professor at Missouri. So he was active in the community. He had mentored a lot of people. It seems like he was a really upstanding guy. And then to have someone question him on the basis of the color of his skin, whether he should be a part of this jury or whether he represented a certain race as a part of the composition of the jury, just seems like really tone deaf. I mean, you can't. You obviously can't control when people pass away and you yeah. know, your comments and whatnot. Right. I mean, Laura didn't know. No. So you don't. I, I don't think you could dig into her for that. But I do think her original comment was just really out of left field. Yeah, it seemed to hit that way. And then, I mean, the thing that the tweet that got actually the most likes, which I find really cute, was from photojournalist Melissa Little. She tweeted, 
There are so many real problems in this world that when I see the photo industry turn on itself and start eating its own, I just want to scream. And I, I'm pretty sure she's referring to this infighting. She was absolutely referring to this. Melissa Little was formerly a photojournalist for the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, she turned freelance. Uh, she's now based in Washington, D.C. Oh, she's in D.C. now. She served as a uh, president of the NPPA for several years. She's mm-hmm. very active in the, in the photojournalist community. Um, she's a great photographer. She's working on a project of female cowboys, uh, people of color. Um, and I think she has a very good point. I think she has a very good point. I think that trying to have a nuanced conversation, if we go back to Olivier's original post, which sort of yeah. started all of this stuff. Right. I think that he was asking the question in good faith. I think that he had spent a decent amount of time watching the judging because the judging takes place over an hour or two, you know, for each round. I think he spent some time watching the judging and had a real question about the continuation of what unfortunately is called poverty porn continuing to place in these contests. And I've written about this issue. A lot of people have commented about Uh, Should despair and suffering continually be awarded in photojournalism circles or should we strive to, to, to turn the conversation and have the award winners reflect a different reality in, in some ways? Because the winners, whether it's a photojournalism contest or a nature contest, the winners influence the way people go out and shoot. Yeah, they do. That's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. So I think he was asking an honest question. You know, in the 77th iteration, we're still kind of shooting the same stuff. People brought up some valid responses to say, well, that's not true against all the categories. People challenged him to say, you know, is there a specific image that you didn't agree with? And if so, we can talk about that. And he didn't want to get into the, this photo was bad and this photo was good. He wanted to mm. have a, a, a broader conversation about directionally, is, the, is this the right thing? When I've written about juries before, and I've served on a few uh, photo contest style juries before, you know, it depends on the organization, but you usually don't go into the room and say, Let's have a very theoretical conversation about what it means to be a judge. And these are the issues that we want to tackle as, as the jury. Those conversations rarely happen because, again, there's not enough time to have them. And mm-hmm. people aren't being compensated for their time. And so mm. you need to get to, in this case, I think there was something like 10,000 images they had to go through. It's amazing. Um, for POI this year. So should a Washington Post editor have a public conversation about this in a conversation that that quickly spirals out of control in a lot of ways. Should, should it have remained a private conversation so that we wouldn't be able to talk about it? If this was a right, private yeah, conversation yeah. in a private Facebook group, we don't have the right to talk about it on a public podcast. But yeah. it's a public conversation on public Twitter, yep. public Facebook, and mm-hmm. that's why we're talking about it. Exactly. That's why we know your Twitter beef. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Melissa kind of pointed to something uh, you know, there are larger issues in the industry that we need to, need to confront. And it's actually something that Yungi was saying uh, as well in, in, in other tweets and messages on Facebook. Um, over at the Sony World Photography Organization contest, two essays 
about the Hong Kong protests were truncated by the organizers of that contest. One was taken down for several days without explanation. Uh, another one had images removed and there was some background discussion. And the final verdict by the WPO was to cut out images from these photographers' entries. And do you know if they asked the photographers if they could do that prior? So there were two photographers in question. The, the first was a Chinese photographer by the name of Ko Chung Ming. And the second was a, a DC-based photographer named David Buteau, who we've talked about before because he did an accidental Renaissance photo. Before. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that picture. So Ko's images were removed without his knowledge, as wow. far as I know. Wow. David was contacted by the organizers um, and told that some of the images were sensitive. Wow. Sensitive uh, subject matter. Um, And because the winners of WPO are part of a traveling exhibition around the world, the organizers basically told him something like, this won't play right in some of these areas. Censorship at its finest. Censorship at its finest. So... It turns out that WPO has an office in Shanghai. It seems like there's some Chinese investment. Uh, It's unclear whether the Chinese government, through intermediaries, told WPO that the images need to come down. Uh, David Buteau has an interview with photojournalist Kenneth Jarecki on the topic. Neither are willing to sort of speculate uh, Mm, exactly what's going on. I will say, you know, WPO... The contest is not a photojournalism contest, and there are no, there's not like a strict photojournalist category. Mm. So the the criteria for worrying about censorship in the way that we see it with our Western democracy eyes is, is slightly different. You know, I think there's a staff that's not trained, nor do they have expertise in censorship issues. They have a uh, patron or you know financial assistance from a Chinese government. They have Sony as the title sponsor, who mm. n- who has uh, sensors and cameras being built in China, and right. who sees an audience in China. So this is more of a commercial competition. It is, and and you know what? I'm not defending WPO at all because I think that that they need to have some firm guidance around stuff like that. Otherwise, don't accept photojournalism essays at all. You yeah, can't selectively yeah. say the stuff that came out of Yemen is okay, but the stuff coming out of Hong Kong is not. Yeah, that poses some huge uh, moral issues. Yeah, yeah. And so that that's probably my, upon reflection of this issue in the past week, that's my bigger beef with the contest. Yeah. Wait, so what did David end up doing? David ended up pulling his entry after they basically said five of his 10 images in the essay uh, could not be displayed. Wow. And he said for the integrity of the essay, he couldn't do it. Now, if you're not uh, a photographer who does photo stories, you might say, well, what's the big deal? He's still got five out of 10 in there. Hmm. Can you imagine being a movie director and having somebody say, we got to cut out 12 scenes from your movie? Just it wouldn't fly. It just wouldn't fly because you have you have a vision for how you want to tell that story. Yeah, and, and think about how much he must have narrowed it down, you know, to oh, get know. to ten, right? So yeah. already so much of the story is not being told, and then to have half of that taken out. You know, I got to give props to David for maintaining a 
ethical stance on the issue. Um, I wish WPO would come out with a more definitive statement uh, regarding the censorship this year and then modify the rules and terms and conditions for future years. Because it's it's the unevenness of censorship um, is really disconcerting to me. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't hear from them in terms of why they were taken away. But hopefully next year, yeah, they change the photojournalism category or the category that he was entering in so that this doesn't happen again. So Twitter beef, Sarah. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it's fun to a certain extent. And then after a little while, you get fatigued. But it's also kind of a sad commentary on, on the industry in some ways. I don't know if it's sad. <laughs> you think it's healthy? You think it's healthy to have these? Yeah, I think it's healthy debate. And... um you know, these, I mean, like you said earlier, these conversations should probably be happening in private. But if you feel comfortable enough to voice your opinion on a public platform like that, I don't know, go for it. That's what social media is for. And w- this gives a chance for other people to engage, which people do. Some random people were replying and, you know, reading about it. I think it's fascinating. I guess the problem I have with Twitter is because of the character limit and because of the way that Twitter has evolved with like thread tweets, for example, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really lend itself to nuance. And people will often comment, particularly journalists, I find, will often comment on Twitter without context. They'll just say something like, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe they did that. And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I'm not in your bubble, sorry. Right. Like, I didn't see the news flash in your industry, so I have no idea what you're talking about. There's there's a bit of a smugness to the way that I find that a lot of people in the journalism and news industry are using Twitter that I find distasteful. And then to have certain tweets come out and there's a lot of one-upsmanship and who can be snarkier and, you know, reference some sort of meme as a response. Mm. That's, that's not proper public discourse in my mind. And if we, if we want to advance the discussion around poverty porn and the value of contests and whatnot, there's got to be a better way than sniping at each other on, on Twitter. All right, fair point. Okay. So you, right. think that you think the fight should happen in private Facebook groups? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's no, okay. I'm, I mean, obviously, I, people can do whatever they want, you know? But I, but I, but I think at a certain point, we need a, a better internal compass to say, Let's take this offline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's it. Should we link out to all these tweets so in the blog link post, out. Alan? I mean, as long as they're public, <laughs> you know, we might as well we'll link out to them. You can find all the tweets that we've referenced and all the public conversations that we refer- referenced at our blog at blog.photoshelter.com. In the meantime, tweet with sanity. We'll see you next time. Photoshelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at photoshelter.com slash podcast. Then download one of our free educational guides at photoshelter.com slash resources.